Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The problem is not your behavior. The problem is your identity. You are not a son of God anymore, not in a way that counts. Yes, we were all created by God, and yes, we all still somewhat bear the image of God, but we went askew. We went astray. Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Jesus is not interested. He does not deal with the superficial symptoms of our behavior malfunction. Jesus rather addresses the core problem, the fundamental flaw in who we are. Jesus comes to make us sons of God again. This is Sozo Church. This is Luke 23, 21 and 22. It says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized, and was praying, the heavens opened. How many people would love to see that? And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then if we fast forward through the whole genealogy again, because I get to, because I'm the senior pastor, um, it says in Luke 3, 38, it says the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So here's my question as I read through this. Well, if Adam was the son of God, and Adam, we understand uh, as believers that we believe that Adam is our great, 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 not like really, really great, but I'm sure he was really, really great, but he's like our old, let's just put it easier. He's our first parent, right? He's the first, Adam and Eve, they're the, the first people on the planet. Well, if, if he was the son of God, then I'm just gonna be honest, what's the big deal that Jesus is the son of God? I mean, are we all sons of God? I mean, if, if Adam's our great grandpa, like super great grandpa, uber great grandpa, not like Uber, like drive you somewhere, great grandpa. Though grandpas that are good grandpas drive you places. Um, but, but like he's, he's, he's our first parent. Well, then wouldn't by proxy we also be sons of God? And the answer should be, it would be, it could be, yes, except. Which is just a fancy way of saying but, but we don't say but in church. Kids, don't say but, it's gross. Except something went tragically wrong. We were, in fact, created by God. I know you may have heard a lot of ideas, a lot of theories, a lot of, 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 of philosophy projected to you about where you came from, but, but the Bible says that God created you. I like to put it this way. God thought of you, not, not the person sitting next to you, not the person sitting behind you, not the person sitting in front of you, but you. He thought of you, and the thought of you was so intoxicatingly amazing that he created all things that exist, both seen and unseen, just so he could meet God created you. He is the source of all life. 
And then we see this in our first parents, Adam and Eve. He creates them and, and, and he creates Adam and he creates Eve and he, he puts them in a perfect relationship. And then on top of that, catch this, please, he puts them in the Garden of Eden. Now we can just kind of see that and go, oh, that's cool, that's a cool story, I guess. I saw that on a flannel graph once in Sunday school. But we need to understand what that means. What that means is that God put Adam and Eve on this planet and put them in a place filled with pleasure and purpose. He gave them the Garden of Eden. He filled it full of trees. We aren't told the number, but, but it says he filled it with trees, all of which were good to eat, enjoyable to eat. And he put these two perfect people in this perfect garden and gave them all things richly to enjoy. He gave them a purpose and said, go and tend the garden, be fruitful and multiply. All the married people said, amen. And, and he said, he put them there and he, and, he, and he placed them in the garden. And in the midst of that garden, however, he put one tree, called it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, listen, go out, have fun, have a purpose, do your job, enjoy one another, enjoy the garden. But listen, this tree, don't eat this tree. I don't know how much more God could have stacked the odds in our favor. Tree, garden full of trees, eat of all of them you want, don't eat that one. So here's the problem. We go to Genesis chapter three, verse six. Here's where it goes, it goes wrong. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit, see here's what happened. God says, don't eat that tree. So what, is, what, what happens is, is Satan comes down in the form of a serpent. He comes down, he hides in the tree. When, when Eve's walking by, he tempts her with the fruit of the tree. He says, listen, you can eat this tree and you can eat the fruit of this tree and guess what'll happen? You won't die like God said you'll die, but instead you'll be smart like God's smart. You'll be able to know for yourself, pick for yourself right and wrong. You'll be able to choose what is good and what is evil. You'll be able to choose what you should do and what you shouldn't do. You won't have to listen to God anymore. You won't have to, to, to humbly submit, but you can pick for yourself. So when the woman, that is Eve, saw that the tree was good for food, and then what is, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of, it, of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths and the first act of religion ever. What happens with that is verse eight. And they heard the sound of God, of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I just have to pause for a second. I just wanna know what that sounds like. Stop and think for a moment. The, the idea here from the way this is written is this was a common event. It's like the time when God comes down, oh, this is my allotted appointment, so not only, please hear me, not only does he create them and give them a part of somebody to do life with, not only does he put them in a garden filled with things that they can enjoy and give them pleasure, not only does he give them a job so they have purpose, but he comes down and personally communes with them. Time they heard him come down in the cool of the day and the man and the woman hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, what happened, the reason why it's a big deal that Jesus is the Son of God, even though Adam is the Son of God, and Adam is our first parent, is because something went horribly wrong after the perfect creation of man as the Son of God on the earth. Yes, we are sons of God in a broad sense. Yes, we bear the image of God in a broad sense, but sin came in. 
Sin, quite simply, as simple as I can put sin, is sin is prideful rebellion against who God is. Instead of accepting God as our Father, instead of submitting like Jesus did even to his earthly parents, instead of submitting to God and being one with him and enjoying him, finding purpose and pleasure in him, we decided and have continued to decide that we can do things better on our own. And in our prideful rebellion, we were separated from God. It's called sin. And here's what I want to tell you about sin this morning. I need you to hear me, please. Sin will always cost you more than you want to pay, and sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay. Always, always, always. Adam and Eve, Eve just thought, hey, listen, if I, if I eat of this tree, if I, if, I ta- if I partake of this tree, then I'll be wise. I'll be smart. Listen, I can figure stuff out on my own. I don't need somebody to hold my hand and tell me what to do. I am a grown woman. I can figure things out. So she ate. She partook. She, she just thought she was going to get something good out of the deal. Sin will always make you think it's giving you a good deal. But sin will always cost you more than you want to pay. And listen to me, it will always keep you longer than you want to stay. This is, this is how, how quickly sin corrupts. And we're not going to read this, but if you go to the next chapter in Genesis, Adam and Eve are, are banished from the garden. They're, they're separating their relationship with God. The earth is cursed. and everything wrong with the earth today happened because we as humans decided that we could do things without God. All the sickness, all the, all the pain, all the corruption is a result of sin. The world is broken because in our falling, the world that God put on our shoulders fell as well. You fast forward, not even one chapter, or not a full chapter ahead. In, in chapter four, Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. Anybody have siblings in the house? I have siblings. I, 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 listen, I, have, I have fantastic parents. I have wonderful parents who did a fantastic job raising me. I love my parents. They're great. And I also have siblings. And uh, I, have, I have four brothers and two sisters. And, and when you're, you know, my, 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 uh, my great-grandma used to have this saying. She would say, you know, in my experience, one boy is a whole boy. Two boys is half a boy. And three boys is no boy at all. And my granddaughter's raising five. <laughs> five boys in one house. And, and we would get a little rowdy. We would get a little crazy. And, and I've talk, I thought this was normal. Growing up, you, know, you always think the way you grow up is normal. I thought it was normal to hold your brothers down and punch them in the face. I just thought that was normal. It's like, it's a brother. <laughs> you know, Irish brothers is what we do, you know. I thought trips to the hospital were like a family vacation. That's what you do. They have highlights there. It's pretty rad. <laughs> Before video games, we had highlights. <laughs> I got angry at my brothers a lot, and I will confess openly. I often, probably more than I want to confess, said things like, brother, I'm going to murder you. I'm going to kill you. Any siblings? Come on. Anybody? Or is, that just, is this another area where I need just inner healing? The, I, we, we screamed. We fought all the time. But listen, this is, this is where the story gets kind of crazy because Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. God favors Abel. God blesses Abel. Cain can't seem to get things going in his life. Makes Cain jealous. And Cain 
murders Abel. He doesn't say it like some of us have said it. Cain actually goes through with the act and he murders his brother. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay, but it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. See, sin didn't just corrupt Adam and Eve. Sin corrupted their kids as well. Sin corrupted and corrupted the line fully. So what ends up happening is this. Jesus comes as the son of God. Please hear me. Jesus comes as the son of God to address the root of the problem. I need you to hear me this morning. Jesus is not interested. He does not deal with the superficial symptoms of our behavior malfunction. Jesus rather addresses the core problem, the fundamental flaw in who we are. Jesus comes to make us sons of God again. Jesus comes in his coming. He is a son of God. He takes it back to the beginning. He, he, he pulls it back to the root of the problem. You see, we think still in this idea of good versus evil. We think if I do enough good and don't do enough bad, then God will like me. And if God likes me enough, he'll, he'll, he'll be good to me. And maybe if you think far enough in your life, you're thinking when I die, I won't go to that hot place that we won't say the name of because we don't say that name. But the bad place, the hot place, I'll go to the good place with the naked, fat, chubby baby angels that play the harps because that's nicer, apparently. We think about it this way. So we think of things like this. We think, oh, if I do good things, good things are like, you know, help little ladies across the street and do your homework and obey your parents and take out the garbage without attitude and, and do nice things like the dishes and be kind and love and, you know, things like don't murder your brother. Good things, by the way, all good things, not denying the good of those good things. And we think, well, you don't do bad things, like, you know, not help little old ladies across the street and, and be mean to people and be angry and be hostile and, and steal and lie and cheat and murder your brother. And if I don't do this, and I do this, and if I can get the scale to balance just right, and somehow I'll earn God's favor. But here's the problem. The reality is, the problem is not your behavior malfunction. Again, not denying that these are good things. Certainly not denying, siblings, listen, that these are bad things. But the problem is this, that we have rejected God. We are rebellious, prideful sinners against God. That's the root of the problem. You're no longer a son of God. You are a enemy of God, the Bible says. I know you don't like to hear that. I don't like to hear that. Nobody likes to hear that. I think I'm a pretty darn good person, at least publicly. <laughs> See, the problem is this. It's, it's like our heart is, is, is like a, a pot. And God desires, according to the New Testament, to put his treasure inside that so that you might carry his image and carry his grace and carry his love and carry his purpose within you that you can, you can have treasures in this earthen vessel that you are. But sin comes and it's like planting a thorn bush in that vessel. And this is where sin gets real scary, church. Sin begins to grow and sin, like I said, costs you more and keep you longer and, and it begins to grow and take over until we think we are the thorn bush. Don't talk about my thorn bush. I like my thorn bush. Don't talk about it. You can't, you can't touch preacher. You better not talk about sin. I don't like that. That's who I am. That's my identity. Listen to me. It's not your identity. Your faults, your failures, your mistakes, your frustration. That's not who you are. That's not your heart. 
It has overtaken your heart. It has fully corrupted your heart. Don't get me wrong, but that's not who God intends you to be. God created you for pleasure and for purpose in right relationship with him. But here's what religion comes in and does. Religion comes in and says, oh, I got this crazy huge thorn, but you know what I'll do? I'll just, I'll just prune it a little bit to make it look nicer. I'll go to church a little bit and I'll, I'll, you know what, I'll stop swearing so loud. And I'll trim away and, and maybe I'll stop punching people all the time and only when they really, really deserve it. And we try to prune it away and we try to make our life look more attractive and more appealing because we still think this stuff growing up here is the problem. Maybe you get real religious and you go get yourself a machete and you just start hacking away at stuff. You get yourself an accountability partner and you block stuff on your phone. Chop, 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 chop. Look at me, I'm, I'm better. But the problem is if you've ever dealt with weeds before, you know that thing's just gonna grow back. Weed's still there. Jesus did not come to address the symptoms, the surface level symptoms. He came to deal with the root. He grabs that thing by the root like only he can and he rips the, the, the sin, he rips the problem out of our hearts. He makes us, he takes us from being enemies of God. Listen to me, please. And by his blood and by his grace, he makes us once again adopted as sons. John chapter three, in John chapter three, verse three, Jesus is talking to a religious leader and Jesus answers him and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The problem is not your behavior. The problem is your identity. You are not a son of God anymore, not in a way that counts. Yes, we were all created by God, and yes, we all still somewhat bear the image of God, but we went askew, we went astray. And Jesus comes and says that you need to be born again. Why do we need to be born again? Because you need to be a son of God. You say, how, how do I be a son of God? Well, John, book of John tells us that as well, John chapter one. John chapter one says this, says to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus came down so you could move from being Adam's son in your sin and in your rebellion and continuing after that pattern. And he could move you, please hear me, and be a son of God after the pattern of Jesus. Do you know that Jesus said he only ever did what he saw his father do? Jesus' perfection engulfs your, 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 your pollution. He takes over. He, his, his grace is sufficient for you. He said, but you don't know what I did. You don't know what I did. His grace is sufficient. He moves you. He shifts fundamentally. He's not interested in behavior modification. We get so hung up on behavior modification. I remember talking to a young woman as I was a youth pastor. She was in her early stages of, of being in college and, and her life had just gone off the rails. She was doing all the kinds of things that people do when they leave a very strict religious house or often kids do when they leave a very strict religious home and they go off on their own to college. We keep this PG. And she came and she was, her life was just utterly destroyed. She came to one of our youth gatherings while when my wife and I were youth pastors and, and she came forward at the end and I was doing ministry time and she's telling me all of these things and she said, but I don't want to stop doing any of this, but I want my life to be better. 
I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't, want to, I, don't want to, I don't want to struggle with this anymore. I don't want to be depressed, and I don't want to be angry, and I don't want to feel separated, and I don't want to feel dirty this way anymore. But, but don't tell me that I have to stop doing these things. I want an answer that does not involve any transformation. And I, I told her this. I said, the gospel does not address your behavior. It addresses your identity. But I cannot promise you that once your identity is changed, your behavior will not come into alignment with it. Prayed for her that night. She repented. And I'm not saying her life instantaneously changed overnight, but she began to shift and she began to change. And things, she told me, she told me a few months later, she said, you know, the things I used to enjoy, I don't enjoy anymore. Things that used to entice me don't entice me anymore. I don't know what it is, but, but something's shifted on the inside of me. What's happening to me? And I said, you went from being a son of Adam and you are now a son of God. So your behavior comes in alignment with your identity. Even psychology and psychiatry tell us that you cannot behave consistently contrary to the identity you believe you hold. You need to hear me this morning. In Christ, you are a new creation. In Jesus, through the new birth, you are transferred into the family of God. You are a son. Hear me. You are a son of God because of what Jesus did. He made right the very root of what went wrong. He takes us from being rebellious and sinful and prideful. He makes us sons redeemed, standing before our God, fully acceptable, not because of what we do. Come on, not because of what we do, but because of what he did. In that grace we stand, and in that place we proclaim his goodness and his graciousness and his wonderfulness. This morning, if you're here, I would plead with you. I would plead with you to believe in his name, to repent and believe and trust in him. The gospel is simple. God did create you, but Satan and sin has deceived you to believing you can do things your own way, but Jesus came to redeem you. And by repentance and belief in him, you can be transformed, not just on the surface, but on the deepest possible level. Your soul, come on church, will be transformed. Your very soul will be made new. Let's stand to our feet. I'm gonna call the worship team back up. Last verse I have for us this morning as we close. Romans chapter three, verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I know this might sound a little cheesy to some of you, but I believe God wants to give you a gift for Christmas this year. And that gift is the newness of life, the redemption that was purchased for you on the cross by Jesus. Might not be the iPhone 7, but I, I, I promise it's better. So how, how does that work? How does that happen? How do I know if I'm being reborn? That verse said it's not of my will, it's of the will of God. Listen to me, if you're hearing me this morning and something is tugging on the inside of your soul, I believe that is the Holy Spirit of God trying to grant to you repentance. Repentance is a gift as well. He wants to give that gift to you. Repentance is three things, has three elements that make up true repentance, confession, contrition, and change. Confession where we admit once and for all that I'm wrong and God is right. I'm wrong and God is right. You say, what am I wrong about? Everything. 
fundamentally, at our very core, we are, we are enemies of God. But even in that state, Christ came and died for us. Confession, I'm, I'm wrong, God, and you're right. Contrition, that fancy way of asking God and allowing God to break our heart over that wrongness. It's not enough. Please hear me. Please hear me. Please hear me. It is not enough to just mentally agree with this. Oh, sure, I'm wrong. God's right. That makes sense. He's the boss. I'm not. But it's coming to a place where we understand that that sin is an offense to God. It breaks God's heart. It's not God's best for us. It's not what he longs for us. It's not his desire for us. It's allowing that reality to break our hearts. And then the last is change. It's allowing the Spirit of God to come into us and change us. First, first our identity where we realize I am adopted, I am accepted, I am received, come on, into the beloved, into the church, into the family of God. I, I move from being in Adam and move into being in Christ. Out of the sinful, rebellious family I used to be like and, and identify with and I move now into a new family, into a new identity. And eventually that will lead to change. I'm just gonna let you know your behavior will begin to change. You'll bump your toe, you'll say, gosh darn it, and you'll wonder why. So transform me, he wants to change you. I plead with you this morning to repent of your sin and trust Christ.